You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashOfSteel.com. I am your host, Troy Goodfellow, and with me today for a special listener feedback episode is freelance writer Julia Murdoch. Hello, hello, hello. That did not sound good at all. That didn't sound good at all? Are you bumping into your microphone or something? No, not at all. Yeah, I think you're better when you have the gin in you. I need more gin, clearly. Ta-da. And Dr. Bruce Garrick. Hello, gamers. <laughs> Is that your nerd voice? No, who said? Good nerd voice. It was a very good nerd voice. Hello, yeah. gamers. <laughs> That's kind of creepy. Uh, our other regular panelist, Tom Chick, is sadly not going to be able to join us uh, today. He is out with a terrible uh, illness, and hopefully he will recover soon. Uh, we wish swine him the best. Right? Pardon? Swine flu? Swine flu? I'm not sure if it's swine flu. Uh, it could just be you know, all that Hollywood partying he's doing. But uh, he is a little under the weather, so we wish him the best and hope. Wish him a speedy recovery, uh, which is a shame because so many of the questions which you guys sent in called Tom out on one thought or another. Oh. So hopefully uh, he can address some of these questions, which I will be emailing to him with exclamation points, either on uh, the Flash of Steel discussion on this podcast or on a quarter to three thread, which I will be starting um, once I get the podcast up. So. I want to thank everyone for sending in their questions. Got a lot of questions. Many people sent in more than one. Some people sent in a dozen. Uh, so, of course, you can't get to all of them. And they tend to break down into a couple of groups. First, there was a group with questions about the podcast and the podcasters, which you can answer pretty quickly. And other ones, which really wanted to get more at our ideas about uh, games, what we like and what we don't like. So I want to start by going through some of the just the podcast questions uh, themselves, if that's okay with everyone. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You're going to have to stop, or I'm going to have to like fly to whatever city you live in and beat you up. Okay. I, I don't think you can take Bruce. Uh-oh. There we go. Yeah. Uh, one question from uh, Jared Hines, who sent in a lot of questions. He asked whether we have another Versus game chosen yet. He enjoyed the Dominions updates at the end of every episode, even though we never even finished that game, and would like to know what game we plan on doing next. Uh, have we decided on that? Aren't we doing it? Aren't we what, doing what, it? What are we yeah. going to do? Well, I thought we were doing... Uh, uh, oh, he means everybody... Oh, sorry. Uh, I was thinking Solium Infernum. Oh, so we are playing a Solium Infernum game. I wasn't thinking of that as a uh, three moves ahead thing. Though certainly we'll be talking about that uh, next week when we have Vic Davis on. Julian, you haven't played that yet, have you? No, I have not, but I will play it by next week. Absolutely. That will be an interesting choice. Um, it's a long game, like Dominions. I mean, it would take us probably more than a week to do it, though the turns themselves are very quickly, like Dominions. Um, I'd like to do a Demigod myself. Two new Demigods have come out. Yeah, uh, they've got and that the- one we could actually knock off like in you know, the course of an evening. And just like Dawn of War, we can save the replay... Uh, we could even have like a tournament type thing. I think Demigod would make a great versus game. Sign me up. I'm all about that. Okay. But Solomon Infernum, uh, we're playing. I want to get a lot more multiplayer discussion uh, on this podcast. And I'd like to do more of this versus stuff because I really think it's a great way to get at why a game works and why it doesn't. 
Uh, one for Julian. Have you, from Ian Bowes, who sometimes comments as Spelk, um, he's a big commenter on the, po- the podcast, has Julian ever passed on a Three Moves Ahead podcast for a Gamers with the Jobs podcast? <laughs> are, you, are you asking if I'm playing favorites? Is I have no idea. Yeah, sure. Uh, no, I've managed to. I managed to, you know, coordinate my schedule so that that's never, never happened. I've never, I've never had to pass either for the other. So I, I love, I love you both equally, baby. Great. I just got an email from Tom. He wants to know if, if he can heckle us via email while we're recording. Sure. Yeah. That sounds why, why it, Yes, he we'll says pay, we'll pay as much of attention to him yeah. there as we do here. His first heckle is, you're not funny, get off the stage. I, <laughs> I think that's directed at you, Bruce. Perfect. There we go. How does he know what we're saying? He, he doesn't. He's just guessing. All right. Um, another one from Ian. Uh, what does each of the panel think is the magic ingredient that makes TMA one of the best podcasts on the interweb? Do we have to uh, do we have to actually like you know grant him the premise? Yeah, that, I think it's a I think it's a flawed premise. Yeah, that's really <laughs> probably what it comes down to. I think maybe it's down to the fact that none of us actually like each other very much. I think that's the, it's the anti chemistry. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> I don't. Know, I think this is a good question. Why do you guys stick around? Because you're all so busy. I mean, because you guys have uh, stuck it through this. Well, I haven't actually been on that much, and but, you make uh, you will make at least you know one episode a month. Yeah, I try to. Um, I don't know. I think it's our lack of uh, our lack of commercial sponsorship, which keeps us keeps us honest <laughs> for amateur status. I think it's a good. I think it's probably true. I think that's yeah. probably true. Um, but, well, I some of it is that. You know, there are not that many places out there where you can talk about the kind of stuff we're talking about. I mean, the, to be serious about it. I mean, yeah. you know, strategy games, if they're not super AAA launch titles for something, we never we never get to talk about them on any of the mainstream podcasts. You know, I mean, like Dawn of War 2, you know, we might spend 10 minutes on over at, over at the, the Gamers with Jobs podcast. Um, but we're certainly not going to spend a whole show on it or go somebody from a developer of a you know sort of edge case strategy game that's really geeky and nerdy and takes 25 hours to play uh, so uh, you know this uh, basically Troy, what i'm saying is it's only because you're the only option that's why <laughs> stick around <laughs> i think that's probably true yeah I think, status yeah I, th- I think that's a big part of it I mean, it's something that you know i thought about doing and the initial plan i had was i wouldn't be doing this every week uh but tom really pushed me and said, you know, this is something you got to just keep doing every week or you'll just stop doing it and people will stop listening. Um, and I think that's a big part of why we keep doing it is because, you know, we encourage each other to keep doing it. There are certainly uh, have been recordings where, you know, two or three of us did not really want to do it, but we kept doing it because uh, we were tired, we were bored, we thought the topic sucked. Um and we just we hate each other. Well, I think that's, I mean, that's the thing. I don't think we hate I mean, Tom and Bruce no, go like way back. Yeah, uh, the chemistry is pretty good. I mean, Julian, I think you're the only one that none of us have met. I think that's true. I think I actually have met Tom once, like six years ago at a convention. But that was at a convention. Like, well, like a Star Trek convention. A Tom Chick convention. A, a Tom Chick convention. Oh, really? But I think I think I think it might have been a, a Teenage Stars of Nine Hundred Two One Zero convention. 
But no, that's true. I mean, I, I, we, we haven't, we haven't. Yeah, but I live in my, you know, I live in the middle of nowhere, and I am a hermit, so that's yeah. fine. Uh, a question from Jared Hines: Will any of us be attending PAX East? Oh yes, absolutely. And that's that's my home territory. So uh, not only am I, uh, will I be at PAX East, I plan on trying to get some sort of what public facility host a party, but I'll let people know. What are they? What are you talking about? For those of you who are unaware, like Bruce, Penny Arcade Ar- uh, the Penny Arcade Expo is having an East Coast edition uh, next spring. It will be in Boston. Uh, for the first time, and so the East Coasters get some of the love they usually reserve for Seattle. And I also plan on being uh, at PAX East. Oh, so. excellent. We'll have to do like a little uh, TMA meetup. Yes. Bar within stumbling distance of the Heinz Convention Center. That's like my old my old turf. I lived in Boston for years, so I'm very excited for that. And it's only two hours away, so it's easy for me. I think that would be a great idea. Uh from a colleague in Britain, Kieran Gillen, he asks, what is Tom's favorite hotkey? I have to ask Tom that. Left control. I think you're right. <laughs> I, th- I would say well, whatever lets oh, him uh, do, do an attack move. Attack move would be his favorite. Hmm. I was going to say eject. Oh. But. <sighs> okay, on to some uh, questions that are a little more material to our stuff. Uh, Jeff Dill sends in this question. There is a daunting number of World War II strategy in war games. Given the fact I really enjoy the miniatures game Flames of War, but something like Hearts of Iron seems incredibly intimidating, I was wondering if any of you could recommend a particularly interesting tactical World War II game, either an electronic game or board game, but I just want something I can play when my friends and I can't get all of our armies together for a full game of Flames of War. I've heard games like ASL or Lock and Load discussed in the show, and while that led me to do some research along those lines, I don't even know where to start. Any advice for Jeff on a good tactical uh, World War II game? Don't take on press. Pardon? I was waiting for I was waiting for you to recommend it with like with like full on gusto. To recommend Conflict the plot. Heroes. I'm sorry, I missed. No, it's great. You should play, you should play Conflict of Heroes. There's this game that. Uh, I thought of and invented called Conflict of Heroes. Conflict of Heroes? Go ahead. Uh, well, Conflict of Heroes is like ASL miniature light. If he's already playing Flames of War, though, he should just jump right in ASL and just get the starter kit that you can get from uh, from uh, uh, Multi-Man. Um, because the, the, but they did a great job with the starter kit. It's like just the rules you need to play. It's not a bunch of crap that's overloaded. The rules have been rewritten. They're still the rules. They didn't make new rules, but they've been rewritten. So they're much easier to understand. Um, the maps aren't as nice as like going out and getting the old big heavy laminated maps that are, you know, actually cloth edged and everything. They're, they're sort of flimsier maps than that. Um, but you can absolutely just whip out the, the ASL starter kit and just get going. Or you can buy Conflict of Heroes and then Bruce will, you know, somehow he'll feel pain in the middle of the night as you start playing it. Yeah. You wouldn't want to do that to me. So what's no. the deal with Conflict of Heroes? Conflict of Heroes is a is is sort of like a bridge game from something like ASL where the rule system is really very wide open. I mean there's mm-hmm. a ton of rules in ASL. But as far as the tactical opportunities 
if you're really playing a game of ASL, you very rarely feel like, well, my guy should be able to do this and not have that happen. The rules are there to let your guy lay down smoke, run through the trees, hop up the backside of a building, you know, jump into melee and overwhelm somebody. There are rules to let you play out. I, I This is my love of ASL. There really are rules to let you play out anything that seems tactically possible when you think of the scenario is possible when you play the scenario. Mm-hmm. There's a whole spectrum of games, obviously, all the way down to rock, paper, scissors that get simpler and simpler. Um, Conflict of Heroes is a nice middle ground for that where you still have sort of traditional chip-based wargaming uh, complexity. You know, you have uh, suppression and things like that, but you're dealing with fewer units. You're dealing with big, chunky chits that are probably 200% normal cardboard chit size. Um, you're dealing with fairly constrained scenarios that don't let you get into situations that that will highlight the fact that the rules aren't as flexible as you would like them to be. Um, so I think, I don't know what, but I have no idea what Bruce's problem is, except that it's not historically accurate enough. You have no idea what the problem is? Oh, there's what no problem. Your, pro- what your problem well, with Conflict of Heroes is. Oh. Um, what is my problem with Conflict of Heroes? I just, uh, every time I played it, I just felt like I wish there were more Conflict of Heroes. Were there more conflict and more heroes? <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's it's stripped down. It's stripped down. You're not dealing yeah. with a lot of units. You know, you're dealing with three or four sets of guys, and that's kind of it. Yeah, I, it, it's fine. I mean, I, I just make fun of it because Julian likes it, so I feel like I have right. to hate it. Well, I mean, and if you go all the way down to total beer and pretzels, you could play something like Memoir 44, right? Yeah, okay, that's just getting out of control. Well, um, but I'm just saying that, that there's a spectrum there, right? That's that's a good thing. I agree. I mean, I, I think that, you know, if you're trying to sit down and play one of these games, um, it really depends what mood you're in. I mean, if you're if you're already, you're playing Flames of War, but it sounded like he said he just, they just didn't feel like getting all their stuff together. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I, I don't see what, what uh, how playing Conflict of Heroes would hurt. I mean, it actually probably would be, it would probably be really reasonable. Um, but I, it's I have a similar level of complexity, honestly, in terms of the rule sets, it's probably, a, you know, there are similar levels of exceptions to the core rules in flames as there are in conflict of heroes. ASL goes way deeper into the pool. Yeah. And I, you know, I haven't played the ASL starter kit. Uh, I, I haven't even seen, uh, I haven't seen the starter kit. Um, I think it's a great idea. I, that's one of the things that I think, uh, he really, uh, got right, uh, in terms of redoing the the ASL sort of uh, series, is the whole idea of a starter kit where you could buy something and say, okay, yeah, I'm it's only like thirty bucks prices. too. It's cheap by the scope of ASL. It's like nothing. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Good. And, and my, go ahead. Anything you want to recommend on the computer uh, game side of things? A good um, tactical computer game, I guess. Combat mission, if you could get it to run. Yeah, combat. I, I think there's. I just don't think there's anything better than combat mission as far as tactical yeah. computer gaming goes. I think you're right. I, I just. It's just. It's. It's as good as it gets. Right. So well, can, I mean, we should say that you know, there, the close combat system is out there. I'm mm-hmm. not the biggest fan of it, um, but and you you know you can go through. Frankly, you can kind of go through the Matrix catalog, and there's bunches of stuff in there. Some of which you may totally dig, and some of which may not do it for you. But it's not going to be as good as Combat Mission. No. But so, you always be able to run it. Yeah, that's a, that, that's the trick. Uh, from David Brake, 
Break or Brocky? Let's go with Break. Uh, what's happening with 4X games? Why haven't we seen a renaissance after Sins of a Solar Empire? Or are there more good games coming? And this is an excuse for you to return to a topic one of you suggested but didn't follow up. The full grisly tale of Master of Orion 3 and where it all went wrong. <laughs> is the shadow of Moo 3 still hanging over the genre? And he says, for his money, Stars is the best Forex game ever made. Really? Stars? Wow. Yeah. Uh, so what's happened with Forex games? Um, I would say that Forex games were never that big. I think just the industry was so small they looked larger than they actually were. Yeah. You think of how many great Forex games there actually were in their heyday in the uh, early 90s. Maybe like two or three franchises and that's kind of it. But uh, the strategy game market was larger then and strategy games were a more important part of that market, of the overall gaming market. And I think we have probably the same amount, only there. We still have the Civs, and we have Sins of a Solar Empire, and now we have AI War and Armada twenty five twenty six. Well, I, I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you my answer. I think from a, if you're talking multiplayer, I honestly think the turn based side of that is headed to Facebook. There's no question. That's where all yeah. the developers have gone. Right. right? It's what Soren Johnson's focusing on. It's what Sid Meier's focusing on. You know, it, it's where uh, uh, Reynolds went. I mean, everybody's looking and saying. Oh, yeah, none of us can actually get together to get these big turn-based play-by-email games working anymore, but we've got this thing called Facebook. It's all all the problems, because it's already a central server that hangs on to all the data. And people check it more often, and it you can make an interface that actually works. I mean, that's exactly where all that's going, and we can all sit here and roll our well, eyeballs. No, after, well, one of our listeners just sent in a question. Anthony Parisi sent in a question saying that Facebook would seem ripe for a great strategy game. We're not seeing one, or we haven't yet. What well, barriers do you see? Uh, is it that you know Reynolds and Meyer haven't shown us what they're doing yet? <laughs> That's right? exactly what it is, and 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 uh, and Soren, yeah, right. Soren's very clearly said this is exactly what I'm working on, um, and he has been poking around a few things to people and 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 testing some systems. And yep. I think it, the the reason we haven't seen it yet is because it takes more than three or four months to make one of these things. You know, <laughs> so uh, you know, Sins of the Solar Empire is only a year old. No. Um, and uh, and frankly, I, I'm I'm excited to see something go that way where I've got a bigger base of players because, uh, you know, I don't have that much time in my life for that many eight hour real time strategy games, right? So I, I'm all about having sort of better turn based systems where I can actually get a game going. Have you played many Facebook games, Julian? I know you have an account, Bruce. You don't have a Facebook account, do you? No, I don't. I played. I played. Like most of the, like the popular ones. Like I mean, I played Farmville and I played, um, you know, the Vampire one. I played Mafia Wars. And I've, I've, I haven't gotten into any of them, but I put in my requisite couple hours so that I could say I knew what the hell was going on. Right. Um. I most of them are frankly just way too boiled down to be that interesting to me. I'd rather go play, you know, one of the twenty-five sort of quasi real-time. Or I truly real time strategy games that they're kind of all based on, mm-hmm. um, like Ikarium and those those things. Um, I mean that that's sort of what these are is pared down versions of that that just yeah. aren't quite as good, but they're getting there. 
And my wife, you can't get her to stop playing Bejeweled, but that's I don't consider that a Facebook game as much as a game that she found on Facebook. Yes. It happens to post her scores there, right? I mean, you could play Doom on Facebook if you just wanted to post your scores there, right? I, I don't want to trash talk your wife, but I could kick her butt at Bejeweled Blitz. I don't know. She may have to friend you up so you can compare notes. Oh, she's part of that. a little. She's part of a little group of soccer moms that are pretty vicious about their Facebook games. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the full grisly tale of Moo Three and where it all went wrong. Bruce, you wrote a long article about Master Ryan Three when it came out, as I recall, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Where did it all go wrong, as far as you were concerned? Actually, why don't you hang on to that? Because I think I think that's going to be next week's—not next week's show, but the week after that. Let's do a show on epic fails. Oh, that would be good. And we'll put Master Ryan three at the center of it. And two weeks from now, we'll—that'll be your epic fail show. That's fine, and, but it's, it's all out there. I mean, I wrote that article. I think everything. I mean, I don't know that there's just much more I have to say about that than what that said. I mean, I can elaborate on that. Ahead. I guess. I mean, well, you can go ahead. Well, you can just simplify it even here right now if you want. Say you know. Yeah, that's what fine. We can discuss. To, you know, another time also, but uh, I just um, to answer the you know answer the listener question. I mean, I think that was one of the one of the few real times that we've seen where a game design really broke because the design broke. I don't see a lot of real game design going on um, lately. It's just it seems to all be just a whole bunch of game mechanics and strategy games. It's just people piling game mechanics on game mechanics, and I thought that. Uh, the fact that there was an actual design idea that uh, um, that they had, that Alan Embrick had, and it all fell apart when uh, they took one core mechanic out and then everything else just collapsed. So we can talk about that sometime, but uh, I think the article that I wrote, and there will be a link to it at the bottom of the podcast. Yes, there will. And it kind of explains the whole deal. Uh, S. Kirk writes, uh, when strategy games were first being ported to PCs about 20 years ago, much of the anticipation of computerized gaming centered on artificial intelligence. Today you hear very little about the specifics of AI programming, function, or quality. Online human-human gaming has seemingly replaced the need for an AI. Indeed, most players usually considered games against the AI to be just practice. What do we think is the state of AI in TC strategy games? No, I'm going to disagree with this whole statement. Oh, go ahead. I don't think that. I mean, I I think that um, I think that single player gaming is still. Uh, I mean, I think most people, most strategy gamers, still just play single player. Yeah. Didn't didn't Demi didn't uh, Brad Wardell say that uh, in his little Stardock State of the Union or whatever that. Yep. Uh, only 23% of the people who bought Demigod actually bothered to try to play it online. Yeah, and that is kind of the archetypical, I think, multiplayer game. I mean, can't, I mean that game is designed for multiplayer, and people aren't playing it multiplayer. I mean, I think that and the, the same thing you're seeing, I mean, it, <clears throat> I don't, I don't want to extrapolate too much from uh, from one message board, but it seems that you know, a lot of people on quarter three are asking, well, you know, I'm not really... I don't know that I want to play Solium Infernum just, you know, or buy it just for multiplayer. How's a single player going to be? I think people, I really think the whole, uh, I think the whole multiplayer phenomenon is overstated. Um, I think that um, it's sort of unfair uh, extrapolations are being made from the multiplayer uh, state of gaming in, in, uh, 
consoles and Xbox Live and you know way the way people the mm. way people play console games online completely different and the way people play console games in general is completely different than the way people play strategy games and I just don't think that there's as much of a people aren't compelled to play strategy games multiplayer uh, well is that is that because people don't want to do it or because it's frankly so much more difficult to do a pickup strategy game right i mean the, well, that's one of the that's certainly one of the reasons i mean I, I think it's i think it's i think it's uh um, i think it's probably the main reason but it you know for whatever reason it just doesn't work the same way well but i mean one of the things that i mean the irony of the irony of demigod is that it was picked very strongly and sold strongly as a multiplayer game um, yeah. I mean, that really is the point of the game. Yet the one thing about the game that was most broken was matchmaking. And that is thankfully fixed to how, I mean, what are we almost a year later, six months later, nine months later? I can't even remember. Right. Uh, but it took forever for them to fix that. So I have to discount the, well, you know, people bought Demigod and 80% of the people never actually went online because I'd be willing to bet that half those people tried and completely failed to get a game. That's not what that's not what Stardock said. Twenty three percent of the people didn't even bother to try to go online. I see I just, just I disbelieve. I honestly just don't believe that. Unless a tremendous well, number of people bought the game and then never played it. Because there's simply not much to do. Right? I mean it is such an uncompelling single player experience that I mean maybe I you know, sure, maybe he's right. I, I Well you didn't say that people Played it only single player and enjoyed the experience. <laughs> I mean, let's. But I would think you know their metrics would be pretty good on that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get that. I get that. I just, I, I, I understand and I agree with you that. that um, I mean, I, I take a game like, um, like Panzer General Assault, which is sort of the last strategy game that really sucked me in for many, many hours. Um, I played a couple hours of that online with other people, and most of it I played single player. And and part of that was because I wanted that ability to try different things out. I didn't want that immediate pressure because I was committing an hour to each game. I wasn't committing right. 15 minutes to each game. If right. I'm firing up if I'm firing up, you know, Halo or something like that, I don't really care because you know, I can go try something out, I dead I'm respawned. Right? The actual cycle time for the experience is in seconds, not even minutes right. before you can sort of fail right. and get back in. Right, I but I mean, for I mean, for all sorts of reasons. I mean, it just just think about. Uh, I mean, Julie, you're not playing this, but think about the Solomon Infernum game, Troy. Yeah. Um, and and think about how much time we invested in that. Um, you know, I have this this weekend, which I amazingly had off. Uh, I, I put hours into that game. You know, there was there there was the game that that uh, we started where you know I was running away with it, and we we restarted. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the game that we were playing uh, on um, uh, on quarter three in live blogging, but uh, I mean, that's hours and hours, and we and you know we're still not we, we, we I don't think we got halfway through the first game, and uh, and we're certainly not halfway through the second game. No. Nope. So, so you know this the time commitment is so huge. Um, it's it's really impossible to coordinate that kind of stuff online, and. Um, you know, and 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 email. I, I really think is actually kind of a I, games. I find a little annoying these days. Now, I, I shouldn't. I should rephrase that. I, I find them 
I really enjoy the email games, but every when I play email games, I I sort of wish I were playing online because getting into the game, making the turn, and then turning it over and waiting is kind of jarring for me. Hmm. And uh, I wish I could just be online and waiting for the turns. Now, on the other hand, I'm not willing to, you know, the time commitment that it would take to get everybody together, get everybody connected, play, and, uh, um, you know, be basically be stuck at the computer for hours is, is not something I'm really willing to do. So, but both of those things are, are you know, exist because of the way strategy games are and the way how, how long they take and how much time it takes for a good strategy game to develop. So um, I think that, they're, that, that strategy games are always going to be uh, handicapped that way in terms of multiplayer. So to get to uh, his, Mr. Kirk's question, um, what's the state of AI then at the moment? If we accept your premise that uh, these are mostly going to be single-player experiences – because of the, the constraints of the genre, uh, at their then, what do we see as the state of AI? I, I don't know, state of AI, that's, I think it's hard to judge because I think just like you have people who play games multiplayer and people who don't play games multiplayer, um, I think there are people who play solo computer games and you know, quickly beat the AI and, and find that every AI, you know, just doesn't measure up. Mm-hmm. And there are people who play and and what other people would find really mediocre AI, they find just fine. So right. um, I, I think that the, the range of sort of player expectations and player abilities is so wide that it's really hard to decide what really good AI is. I mean, I think if you made an AI that was that was really, really good, I think most of the gaming public would actually find it it's too hard. Annoyingly hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I agree. So, you know, you, you always get all these people posting on message boards, oh, you know, the AI is really mediocre. And I, I've been, I've really been guilty of that myself in, in terms of game reviews where, you know, I, I say something has, you know, lackluster AI, or actually I never use the word lackluster because it sucks. But, um, you know, a, a game where the AI, I feel, isn't very good. And what I kind of forget sometimes is that for most people who play games, that AI is going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the fact that 10 guys on some gaming message board, you know, found all the holes in the AI within the first, you know, three hours, um, I don't think it's really representative of gamers. And so I don't think, <clears throat> I mean, I think that companies are, are um, companies are smart not to listen to the, to the, uh, to, you know, to the whining edge of, uh, of, uh, of game. The whining edge. I like that. The whining edge. Uh, you know, and I don't mean to be disparaging either. I just mean to say that, you know, there are always a lot of, you know, people who sound like everything is terrible. And um, there are a whole bunch of, of, of people for whom, you know, they're going to play the game a couple times. That's going to be how much they play it. And uh, they may not learn all the tricks to defeating the AI. And, and they'll never uh, they'll never play enough to, to, to decide that the AI, does, you know, doesn't work for them. So Right. Um, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think... To me, the classic case is always chess, right? So if you'd asked me 25 years ago what the state of chess AI was, I would have said infinite because I can't beat the hardest AI in chess. So therefore, as far as I'm concerned, you know, chess AI is infinite. Obviously, in 25 years, all sorts of stuff has been done in the realm of playing chess, right? So 
but but it's all so far beyond my abilities as a chess player that it's frankly irrelevant. And I think right. that that's the case when I think about something like you know the I don't know the the AI for Civilization Three that Soren did, right? I mean, the honest truth is, playing on the hardest difficulty level, I could never beat it. So sure, maybe it got a lot better in Civ Four. Totally didn't matter. I couldn't beat it on the hardest AI back when it was at Civ Three, and I frankly didn't throw myself up against the wall so often that I really dared to poke the edges of it because I'd rather play against a person anyway. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much I pretty much agree with that, and I, I think that uh, you know designers need to make really good games, and whether or not the AI is particularly uh, you know, particularly strong, I, I think uh, I think is a little overrated. I think there are tons of players out there who actually, if the AI were too good, they would just get frustrated and quit. So, and you don't want to do that. Right. Like, that's bad word of mouth, too. All right, good. Uh, Darren Sprott asks, which turn-based game do you think has the best random map generator? There are a lot of new releases, such as Elven Legacy, that don't even include a random map generator, but seriously diminishes replayability. He uses Age of Wonders, Shadow Magic, as a yardstick, and I haven't seen a random map generator that comes even close. So he's looking forward to Elemental, because he thinks it is going in a good direction. Elemental is, of course, uh, Stardock's upcoming fantasy uh, TBS. I'm so, really looking forward to that, by the way. Yes. Um, so are there any good turn-based strategy games with an awesome random map generator? Are there any... Any great turn-based strategy games? Period. I mean, left. Yeah, uh, Last Man Standing. I I don't know. I I'm I I have no basis on which to make this because to be honest, truth is most of the time I never play a random map anyway. Really? I like scenarios. I, like scenarios. I love scenarios. Uh, I'm a random map guy. Are you really? I love my random maps. I always enjoy. I will tell you what the best random map generation process is: Dwarf Fortress. I yeah. love the process of how the map gets generated and how you see the things that are getting developed where, you know, that, I love that. I totally dig that. Yeah, I, I actually agree. I think it's a it's a good uh, as far as the scenario versus random map thing. I think random maps engage people who sort of play games in a sort of exploratory fashion and just sort of. Um, uh, are, are more interested in the world and being part of the world. And people who play scenarios, um, this is such overgeneralization, uh, people who play scenarios are ones who are interested in the actual competitive gaming part of gaming because the scenario has very has defined conditions which you can then try to defeat, right? How do you play yes. this scenario best? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I, I actually like that. I like figuring out. That's, that's the part of me that uh, uh, was always like, um, trying to figure out the best moves in, in in board games, like the Russian campaign or something, you know, how, how do I how do I arrange this fixed set of units to make the largest possible penetration to the you know to the uh, uh, Russian front on the, yeah you know, absolutely first turn. absolutely yeah and, and I hate I hate random maps partially because uh, particularly I, I would say particularly in a turn based strategy game because. Even a good one, you can often end up feeling like, oh, I'm fucked. 
<laughs> you know, it's like you can because random, you know, you generally there's fog of war. So you don't really know what the whole map looks like to start with. So you've generally selected like your starting race. You've selected some sort of initial strategy, either because you want to try it out or because you're comfortable with it and you think you can be successful at it. And it's way too easy for the map to all of a sudden screw you. It's like, oh, it turns out that that ocean that I was trying to get across the map with is actually an inland sea, you know, and, and you just sort of wasted 20 turns figuring that out. And I hate that. I really hate that. Well, there, I mean, there are also bad scenarios. Yeah, sure. sure. Oh, yeah. In fact, there are some games yeah, that are nothing, think... nothing but bad scenarios. I mean, I'm the explorer type. I like the random map thing because it is uh, every game is a new experience in some ways. And yeah, you're going to get screwed. You're going to do that. Like Civ 3 would screw me all the time. Civ 4, not so much. Civ 3, I would get stuck on some crappy island surrounded by jungle, and I wouldn't realize it until I discovered the wheel or something. I'd be great. I've got a wheel to go through the jungle, but I'm screwed. And some guy with rifles comes off and shoots my archers, and that's it. My game's over. Uh, but I like that. I like the mystery. I like the discovery. Um, I like randomly generated scenarios and like a uh, c- c- combat mission. I like randomly generated scenarios. Here's some point f- factors. The computer tell me what I got. I don't want you to give me points and let me invest it all in tanks. You just here's 500 points. Computer buy stuff for me. Let's see what we've got, and then making do with it. I think that's part of the. Uh, the improv uh, artist in me and just making the best of a bad situation instead of, you know, okay, I know that this uh, StarCraft map is shaped like this and I have to get to those crystals before so-and-so shows up. Scenarios are, I think, better for human opponents mm-hmm. than everybody yeah. has the same ability to evaluate uh, you know, possible... Everyone has the same information. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yes, exactly. I agree with you. Um, but uh, but yeah, I still I still like the answer to the question. The best random map generators in Seven Cities of Gold. Yes, I would agree with that. Which was great. Yeah. So no matter what that map generated, it was cool. There's really no bad maps in that game. And that was one. That, that was one of the first random map generators. And it was great. Eastern Front, 1941. Not such. No. <laughs> Okay, here's a question uh, from uh, Ian Bowes again, and it ties to an email that Tom Chick just sent us. Ian asks, is the iPhone a proper strategy gaming platform? Tom Chick sends this email, Julian and Bruce, I have an iPhone thingy now, and I have yet to find a game on the stupid thing that isn't an excruciating exercise in craptasticism. <laughs> You're not funny. Get off the stage. You suck. Excellent. That was in all caps, by the way. These people are idiots. So is the iPhone a a proper strategy platform? You're the big evangelist here, Julian. Well, first of all, you can play a killer game of Go and a killer game of chess on it. So as far as I'm concerned, beat me. Because if that doesn't keep me happy, then you're fine. But Civ Civ Revolutions, which I think is underrated, I mean, it's very simple, but I think it's an excellent game, plays better on the iPhone than it does on any other platform. But including the Xbox, I think. I think it's easier to navigate, easier to play. Um, and Uniwar, which I played a ton of turn-based, you know, through their little, e- I mean, it's not email, but it's sort of, you know, it's through their little server, um, you know, is, is a, a fabulous sort of advanced wars multiplayer game. And b- both of which have consumed vast quantities of my strategic gaming time. So th- that's just two examples 
of which there are dozens more. And, and so, I mean, I think that sort of says it all. Now, if we're talking about sort of grand strategy games where you've got, you know, hundreds of units on the screen and you want to be able to zoom in and out like Supreme Commander, no, of course not. You're limited by screen size more than anything mm-hmm. else. Right. Right. The lack of hotkeys. But games that are designed for the limitations of the platform, just like games that are designed for, say, the limitation of consoles, I think do extremely well on it. Yeah, but how come like uh, how come other handheld consoles have have good strategy games like Battle for Altoona, Pennsylvania? <laughs> <laughs> how come they can't have that for the iPhone? <laughs> oh dear. Uh, well, somebody needs to answer that question. This could be my reader question. Okay. Okay. Uh, Christian Morosky, one of Tom Chick's movie podcast Dingus. colleagues, Dingus, he asks, what is the best strategy game for noobs and aficionados to play t- together? Either Chief co-op or versus. Noobs and strategy and... and well, by definition, it's got to be something that you can handicap, right? Mm. I guess it depends how many noobs and how many aficionados. Like if it's well, two noobs and two aficionados, you can do you can do teams and. Are we talking computer game? Uh well, he's a, just strategy game. So I'm assuming he means uh, a strategy game. I, I I gotta say, you know, this is the one. This is the one time I'm gonna use. I'm gonna use this answer to the question. This this is not the correct answer to any other question, except what, how how bad is this game? But Settlers of Catan. <laughs> Settlers of Catan. Really. I, I think that's a good game because it, it. I think it's something that uh, people who don't play strategy games can easily get. Uh, uh, it can easily get um, get the hang of the game and understand the game, and then quickly get sick of the game and move on. But um, no, I think that I think that kind of game is. Um, uh, is really well suited to uh, to people who are who are new to gaming. Um, so so I I'm going to respectfully disagree because for two reasons. Okay. One is well, first of all, if you play Settlers of Catan with like three people and what they're doing and one noob, then you have to there has to be handicap. You have to let that person take two turns up front. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, right. yeah eight, you know eight victory points instead of twelve or whatever. Right. I mean, so at least Settlers of Catan has about a dozen ways to make good handicaps, which I think is is really the key. I mean, as somebody who's playing more strategy games with a ten year old than I am with grown ups these days, Settlers doesn't even enter my list. Not because it's like complicated, she won't get it, but because it's freaking boring. Right. I mean, that's the oh, problem. I agree right? completely. So I, mean, I would actually my 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 go to games would be something like Hive, right, which I can explain to anybody in five. L- minutes. Like what? I'm sorry. I missed that. Hive. 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 Like, like a hive? like a beehive. Yeah, it's a it's a very simple tile based strategy game. You can it's got it's a beautiful physical game. It has these huge meaty plastic tiles that like, they feel like ivory. Um, they feel like mahjong tiles, except even beefier. Um, and each person gets like ten or twelve tiles. You don't need a board. There's a really good free implementation online. There's a really good iPhone version, although the AI is really easy to beat. See, I'm one of those guys. Um, like Carcassonne? No, it's quite simply that. It's more like chess. It's more like chess than Carcassonne. You have individual tiles that can be moved, like chess pieces. Um, but I would actually say Carcassonne. I would put ahead of. 
something like Settlers of Catan because I think okay. the replay value is stronger. Okay. Um, and and I would actually say Carcassonne: The New World, specifically that expansion, is the best version to play with people who've never played a game like that before. And it teaches better and it's more interesting. Okay. If, and if I'll Christian if Christian wants a computer strategy game, do we have anything you'd recommend? Multiplayer computer strategy game? Yeah, this is good for both uh, noobs and aficionados. I mean, R- Rise of Nations is usually the right I, I, answer to everything. That's gonna. I was gonna say it was Rise of because Nations because you can handicap without it any, real- without any of the expansion packs. Just flat Rise Rise of Nations. Well, there's only the one expansion pack. Well, yeah, okay. Thrones of the Patriots, right? Yeah. Thrones and, of the and it has, I would say that because at first it's a great strategy game. It's relatively simple uh, once you get a few concepts straight. If you don't know RTSs at all, you're probably even it's probably even better because you don't walk in with all of these preconceptions about an RTS is supposed to work. Uh, and you can handicap it uh, quite easily. And I would say avoid avoid Sins of the Solar Empire because the learning curve on that game is ridiculous. And plus, it takes forever. Yeah. Now, if you're and for co-op, I would even recommend something like Company of Heroes or one of the Relic games uh, because they play fast. Um, and if you're, if you're co-oping uh, on teams, you know, one expert and one noob, yeah, I think it can be okay. I think it, I think it lines up pretty well. Um, plus, they're fun. Uh, since Tom's not here, I can say that. Um, all right, uh, David Brake asks: You said finding a community of sensible gamers was straightforward. But I suspect most of your gaming groups are U.S. based. Do we have any recommendations for grown-ups in the U.K. or British time zones? Wait, I missed that question. He seems to think he gets idea that apparently we suggested something was easy to find a gaming community online, and I don't recall ever saying that. But um... no. But I guess the other question is, well, I mean, like it, it. Uh, gamers with jobs, we have a huge European contingent. There you I go. Mean, there, there are whole servers that don't even start up till midnight our time, East Coast. And they play yeah, strategy. And quarter to three is the same yeah, way. I think there are tons do. of Europeans on quarter to three. Yeah, yeah. They, if they play so, strategy games. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which so many do? It's a global world. Yes. The yeah, the, the trick is about a, a good, mature, general forum, of which there are very few online. I will admit, uh, but. Uh, gamers with jobs, of which uh, Julian is a uh, leading something. a leading light or something, a czar. Are you a czar? A gamers with a job czar? Are there czars in corporate America? Maybe I'm like the chief operating officer or something. There you go. CEO, CEO, he'll be the first one arrested when the SEC comes. Uh, and uh, quarter to three, which of course is Tom Chick's gaming forum where uh, I've found many people interested in strategy games from around the world. Uh, they can probably hook you up. I will link to both uh, at the bottom of this podcast. Yes. Yes. Um, there we go. And I guess the f- let's try to find a good final question, one that uh, isn't too obnoxious. What is everyone's from Jared Hines again? What is everyone's stances on God games? Are they city builders with RTS aspects or RTSs with city builder aspects? And did Black and White suck as much as I thought it did? No, I don't think Black and White sucked as much as he thought it did. I really enjoyed Black and White. Oh, yes? It was just different. It was just different. You want to give the defense of Black and White, which um, Rob Zachney wrote a screed on relatively recently on Flash of Steel for the Decade series. 
explaining why he did life. not enjoy well, he did not I, enjoy it, but go ahead. You yeah, I, well, no, I'm not, I, I just don't think it was – I know that there's a huge group of people out there who hate it for all sorts of reasons that I can't really necessarily defend against. But I really enjoyed the game for what it tried to do. I mean, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the conceit of it. I enjoyed that it was different more than anything else. Um, am I lamenting the fact that we haven't seen Black and White 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8? No. Well, we've um, seen two. We, we saw two. Um, but – Nah, I don't know. I, I don't. I think it gets a bad rap. I think it was interesting for what it did. Um, as far as God games, I just did a little mini retrospective on how much I just fell in love with Populous. I mean, if we're gonna go way back. Oh yes. Right. Um, another Marlin, another Marlin new design. Another design. Um, and and one which I think you can say sort of reached its conclusion in black and white in a way, right? Because it, it played with a lot of those same concepts. Um, Populous, I think, benefits from being a simpler system. And I think a lot of times strategy games that are constrained by simple systems are better games. So I, I think that would be it. But, it, I mean, as far as – I don't want to get into an argument about defining what they are. I think God games are kind of their own their own animal, and I'm totally happy with that. Mm. I mean, that's why I like Darwinia. I think – I mean, I again, kind of a weird little bug of the game all in its own. Yeah, I – I agree that I think the whole black and white thing is funny. Um, I remember when it came out and it came out and everybody gave it like 9.5, uh, you know, five stars, greatest game ever. And then uh, a while later, everybody's like, well, the game sucks. And, uh, you know, everybody sort of assumed that it was because everybody bought into the hype. But, I mean, I think gamers are pretty good at at playing a game and 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 hating it, regardless of the hype, if it sucks. And I think that Black and White was a pretty interesting game. It just didn't have a lot of, uh, I think, you know, wasn't it was a little too simple for to have much longevity. And then, of course, the whole you know let's make fun of Peter Molyneux uh, aspect came in. <laughs> and, uh, well, right? I, mean, here, that's always fun. I, I mean, now I'm going to take the other side. I don't want to get. I mean, there were some things about black and white that just didn't work. And right, God, I agree. The whole like trying to drag your mouse around the screen to create a smiley face or whatever. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I mean, that's just but I mean, never I mean, really I think it was. I, I think it was a fair. Effort. I didn't play that much of the game, and I just I didn't I didn't play enough of it to get sick of it. I don't think I played enough of it. I didn't. It's not really my kind of game. I agree with you that. Uh, I'm not really sure there's any reason. I think the whole, um, I mean, I kind of argue both sides of this issue. On, on, on one hand, I don't think there's any reason to uh, to nitpick or, or try to categorize some kind of, you know, develop sort of some, some taxonomy where people, uh, you know, pigeonhole games into this is, you know, a, a real time game with these elements versus this is a, you know, sandbox. I just I just don't understand what point what purpose that serves, except for you know, entertainment in arguing about what category something goes in. It's all completely irrelevant. So, but to some extent, I mean, that's what all talk about games is, right? It's kind of irrelevant. We just do it for our own amusement. So, you know, if people want to argue about it, then that's fantastic. Um, but uh, I, I just... <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm well, it's, I mean, it, I, you know, I think we've said before, it's like any topic which revolves around a definition is guaranteed to lose. You know, I mean, it's just it's not going to it's not going to be entertaining. Right. But 
I think some people find it a question about some people like argument. I mean, what, you know, what, I think I, we should just have Rob, because I think Rob did put, make a good point in the piece that he wrote for you, Troy, that, <laughs> you know, this is a game that was on the one hand, I think he said it had flashes of brilliance, but on the other hand, had some really crippling flaws. And the question was whether you're the kind of gamer who can say, oh, look at this really shiny thing in the corner, I can ignore all the flaws, or whether you have to take the whole system into account in order to enjoy the experience. If you had to take all of black and white into account and you weren't able to look over the fact that your mouse didn't track well enough or you hated feeding your little dude or whatever, then, yeah, you weren't going to have fun. None of that bothered me so much that it ruined the game for me. Excellent. Yeah, I think that's I think that's about right. I'm I'm kind of in the Julian camp when it comes to Spore. I know a lot of people are really disappointed by Spore, and I still think that it's a great game uh, because of what it tried to do and what it represents. And I think I can't go quite that far for Black and White. But I'll go that far my, for Spore. My my problem with Spore was just the amount of love and hype I bought into going into it. Right? If that game had come out of nowhere, then I it's totally an expectations management yeah. problem for me. Yeah, that's your own fault. Yeah, it's all my fault. Well, as it's as is most of the problems of the world, apparently. Very good. Uh, so, thank you all for your question. Well, we have, we, a, we, have a, we wait, 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 wait. Okay. I, I have, have a reader question. question. That's right. You do have a reader question for the panel. Yep. So, for actually, it's for Julian. That's right. So, so Julian, you named yourself after a rabbit. What's your favorite <laughs> rabbit book? My favorite rabbit book. Rabbit book. Your rabbit, right? Your rabbit, book. rabbit. Probably, probably. Uh, I mean, is it, I, I'm here. Wait, wait, wait. Before you answer, I guess it's it's either Rabbit at Rest or Rabbit Run. I don't think Rabbit Read. I think it's you're one or the other. No, I was got. I was on Velveteen. I missed that. The Velveteen Rabbit. The Velveteen Rabbit. That's not. It's one of the choices. That's not one of my choices? No, it's specifically the Rabbit series. I thought that's what you named yourself after. Nope. Actually, the the, the reason that my nickname is Rabbit has absolutely no useful background whatsoever. It is purely uh, staring at a computer, didn't want to use one of the old, you know, handles I had from the early, you know, cyber days and just popped into my head. No good reason whatsoever. Cyber days? It was like the olden days? The olden days, the olden cyber days of the mid '80s. Yes, let me tell you. So now you uh, know. Sorry, boring answer. Yeah, he's not related to any of the rabbit books. I think we have a question for from Bruce actually here too. Uh, how are we going to make some time for Bruce to actually get around to playing some games from this decade? It's not going to happen. There we he go. Has to lose his medical life. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. I just don't have. I mean, yeah, you, you playing trying to play Solium Infernum with these guys. Is 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 eating every single like minute of my available free time. I mean, almost. Yeah, and it just involves you know a, it's a turn so that the turns are quick, but you can go through a lot of them, and it's it takes a lot of time. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's, like, uh, it's like uh, I mean, it, it, let's put it this way: I I, I uh, I was able to play this weekend because I had, you know, a weekend off in which I didn't really have a lot of other things to do. I just sort of took the really took the weekend off from life because I was just so exhausted from from uh, you know from work. Um, but you know, since Sunday, it's now what Tuesday. I mean, I, I haven't had one minute to even load the game. And uh, the one thing I'm going to do after I hang up here 
is uh, is is send one turn to Tom so that he because he's got uh, he's got everybody else's turn. I'm just going to send one in so he can resolve the current turn. But then I don't know when the next. I'm on call tomorrow night, so uh, yeah, we might even not. We probably will not even get this game done uh, before next week when we will have as our guest the designer of Solium Inferno, Mr. Vic Davis, who was also the very first. Uh, on the very first episode, the lost episode. Lost episode. Uh, three moves ahead. Oh, gosh, that's right. So hopefully he – well, we will have Julian's voice for this one, and he won't be standing in the middle of a lightning storm, and we'll be able to keep this one. And we could talk about Solomon Furnham, what we like, what we don't like. Um, Tom, Bruce, and I have been exchanging a lot of opinions on this uh, for the last week. That should be a very fruitful discussion. Thank you all for your questions. Sure, we did not get through all of them or even most of them. I'm sorry uh, that Tom couldn't be here, and I'm sorry that yeah. Julian's not named after Rabbit Angstrom. I mean, I'm really I, sorry about things. I, yeah. I will say, I, I, I'll give you this. The one thing I'm not, a, I'm not actually a huge Updike fan, but the one thing that I did like about the Rabbit is the spec he writes in the present tense which I think more fiction writers should write in the present tense. I think more journalists should write in the present tense. I think it's the power tense. So there you go. That's all I can give you. Is that Perfect. Run in the present I love tense. it. Thank you so much. Very good. All right. Okay. All right. So say good night, guys. Good night, guys. Good night, gamers.